0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children eighteen plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC John Coleman. Dio was popping. Another day, another half dollar. Welcome to 2022. Well, congratulations on your Iron Triathlete Decathlon. Thank you, John. I uh, believe it's called Iron Man seventy point three or a half Ironman, but yours truly was successful at his first attempt of completing such a race. Where's your bib? My bib is at home with my medal and my uh, cap. I'm trying to get some pictures. Well, if you don't have pictures, Dustin, it didn't exist, so. Well, I'm getting pictures, John. What I'm getting at is there's this uh, lady, shout out to Megan. I, I met Megan in line to get pictures taken. And I said, hey, would you mind taking pictures and then sending them to me? Oh, yeah, not a problem. That's a fairly normal thing to do right. in a years like 2022. Right. She has a droid, though. A what? Yeah, they suck. Droids. Droids yeah. suck. My dad loves his droid. My buddy Jason loves his droid. But when it comes to sending pictures. I'm out. They suck. Right. So she's been trying to send me these six pictures that she took of me with my medal right after the race, and they can't go through. I had to like stalk her. Mm -hmm. I had literally had to look up everyone named Megan in the race. I remember she said she like lived and worked in DC. She looked like she was in her mid thirties. And I found her on both Instagram and LinkedIn and I hit her up. She finally texted me this morning and she's trying to get me the pictures.
1: As soon as she held up the phone and you saw how many camera slots they had, I would be like, you know what, Never mind, ma'am. And I would have looked for someone with an iPhone. That was on you. Extreme ownership.
0: Okay, yep, that's on I me. Mean. Next yeah. time I'm finding somebody that has an iPhone. Yeah. But hopefully she's super nice, and she's actually texted me right now that she's gonna try to WhatsApp the. the oh my god. Uh, the photos over to me, and as soon as I have them, I'll probably post something on Facebook about it. But
1: S- send it on a carrier pigeon; it'll get here faster.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for that.
1: Today's so, episode.
0: Today's episode, yeah. What, what, what are we going to geek out on today, John?
1: Uh, I think it's defining your ideal client. That's what you want to talk about?
0: Yeah, it is. And it's funny because it stemmed from a conversation I had with uh, our buddy Steve Richmond.
1: Shout out, Steve. Right, so
0: we had Steve on this show about a year ago now, yeah. right? And Steve's a phenomenal public speaker. He's an attorney by trade. And for the past... Two or three decades, he has made a living teaching and coaching the real estate and mortgage industries mm-hmm. on various topics, right? Usually sales-related type topics. And Steve has recently gone out on his own. Yeah. So he and I were hooking up trying to find ways to synergize. And you know, things that kept on coming up from this conversation were being intentional and knowing your audience or knowing who is your client, right? I asked Steve that question: like, who is your ideal client, Steve? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I've never thought about it that way. And then I was asking Steve, are you intentional with your actions or are you just going through the motions? So what we're gonna end up doing is let's you and I do a whole entire episode on being intentional. And we'll do that in the next week or two. Okay. Today, let's just talk about understanding your target audience or who is your ideal client. Mm-hmm. Because this is a topic that really spans outside of mortgage. it it spans into real estate. It also spans into medical, probably everything that we do in life that requires having a interaction, Mm -hmm. a business exchange, there's going to be someone providing the service or the good and someone who's purchasing it. So we need to know if we're the ones supplying the goods and service, who is our ideal client so we can target to them. And more importantly, so we can target them so we can target our messaging to them. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, so that we don't waste our valuable precious time on those that don't fit our ideal client and employers that apply, that applies to you. Like who's your ideal associate? Who's your ideal teammate or a team member? And are you actively seeking and searching for that person? Or are you just randomly putting out a job posting mm-hmm. and Whoever applies, you'll, you'll choose from that. Mm -hmm. I've even talked to our friend, Gwen Swain, Mm -hmm. and she has given me some tips and some pointers about how she purposefully puts job postings out to find her ideal Hmm. client, like just in the words that she uses. Yeah. in the words that she uses, she, she makes her job postings one in which only someone of that personality type would probably apply right. because they would read that job description. Like, Oh my God, that's me. Mm-hmm. That is me. So that's how she's found a way to, to take her game up two levels. It used to be, I'm going to post a job ad for a loan partner or a loan officer assistant. And I'm just going to describe the functionalities of them. Mm. Then when she started getting a ton of resumes of people who could fulfill the position, but weren't a great fit for her, then she worked with a business coach and that business coach said, no, take away the, the functionalities of picking up the phone and pulling credit and running payments. And let's start talking about the personality traits. Somebody who is highly detailed, somebody who is bubbly with their personality and what, when they read your job description is going to make them want to apply to this. So her job description is more about less about the task and more about the team culture. So it's, you know, she may talk about um, you, you love unicorns, butterflies and rainbows. Right. You've never been seen without a smile on your face. Right. You think it's your job to turn someone's frown upside down. Yeah. If that's you, then I have a job, right. you know, then it's a little bit
1: more artistic. Than yes. Than just saying yes. Like that, right?
0: Yeah. 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 So, so these are the inspiration of, okay. of today's episode. My business partner, Mike Smalley, a year ago at our annual sales conference sat down with the branch managers first on day one and with the LOs on day two. And we talked about with them, who is your ideal client? So that's what I want to come out of today's episode is for anyone who's tuned in, regardless of industry, I want to task you with spending 20 to 30 minutes of being intentional with your actions. And start jotting down who your ideal client is.
1: You know, I'm I'm new in sales, Dustin. Anyone that picks up the phone and is willing to talk to me is my ideal client.
0: You know what, John? When you're new at sales, that may be the case. But please understand that is temporary. Please understand that's temporary. Eventually, you're going to want to start running your business, not letting your business run you. Eventually, you can run your business when you know what the hell you're doing. But I may agree with you early on, look, if you have a pulse and you look in my direction, I got to slow down and figure out how I can help you. But the, the task, everyone should do this. Who is your ideal client? What do they look like? What do they sound like? When do they call you? What do they need from you? How granular can you get with this, right? If I'm a loan officer, I would first state that my ideal client was referred to me properly. That's my ideal client. So my ideal client is not somebody that I ran a Facebook ad to. My ideal client is not somebody that I put some money behind Google clicks. My ideal client is not somebody that came to me through a Zillow lead. My ideal client is not somebody who was given my card plus two others and said, call and find the cheapest interest rate. Like that's not my ideal client. My ideal client for me, Dustin Owen, the loan originator is somebody who was referred to me and the referral was something like this. Hey, John, you need to call Dustin. He's great at what he does. He will educate you and make sure you get the right loan. And he is who I trust to do my sister's loan or my daughter's loan. That's how I want to be referred. So my ideal client starts with how were they referred? Then my ideal client for me, again, this is for me, I'm sharing these ideas in hopes I can make those hamsters up in your head, mm-hmm. start running faster to create your own ideas. But for me, the next step, if I'm if I'm an LO and I'm talking about my ideal client, my ideal client plays by the rules. Well, what are the rules? You may ask like, do. What are the rules? What are the rules? Well, here are the rules. The rules are there's no such thing as a one size fits all mortgage, John and I'm gonna work with you to tailor make a mortgage that A, you qualify for, that B, allows me to close you and close you on time, but C, is gonna allow you to achieve your financial needs, wants and goals. Like that's that understanding means it's not about the cheapest rate, it's about the best mortgage. You need to understand that about me. Play by the rules also may mean that when I ask you for documents, you give them to me in a timely manner. When I ask you to disclose all of your information, you don't hide anything from me because you understand that I am your advocate. I am your representation. It is my job to make sure that you obtain a home loan, that you get the right loan and that you close on time. So playing by the rules is just that. So when I'm out searching for my ideal client, that's what I'm searching for. If somebody was referred to me, not in that manner, I know going into it, it's not my ideal client. Maybe I was one of three cards. Maybe they're already pre-approved by this online lender. They've already talked to their bank and all they care about with me is what's my interest rate. At which point I just say, ma'am or sir, it doesn't matter what my interest rate is because it doesn't sound like we're going to be a good fit to work together. You see most of my clients who agree to do business with me, like I invite them into my network and my network is you become a client for life, almost like family. Not family like we have to go do Thanksgiving together, mm-hmm. but family that you know that I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to take care of anybody that you know. And that type of relationship is one that comes with a lot of trust. It's trust that I have to build. It's also trust I've been building over the past two decades of, of being in this industry, supporting our local community. So when the minute you start making it about rate, I just don't know if we're on that same trust because you making it about rate means you don't trust me to do the best job for you. So that's me looking for my ideal client. Think about how a financial advisor could talk about that. What does their ideal client look like? Right? I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Right. right? They're going to have their own. My buddy, the dentist, what does his ideal client look like? Does he want a client that doesn't brush and floss? Does he want a client who doesn't come in mm-hmm. twice a year for an annual checkup and, or a biannual checkup and a cleaning?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You don't know right? Like that's for him to try to figure out, but I think we all have it. And I want to encourage people to sit down and talk about what does that really mean to them? And when someone is not your ideal client, you have to be able to address it early and cut bait. Wouldn't you rather be told no up front or no after you spent 11 hours chasing someone down who wasn't your ideal <laughs> client? And when we're only given a, a very finite amount of time, we're given 24 hours in the day, That's it. We can't make it 26. We can't make it 30. We're given 24 of which eight of them should be dedicated to sleeping. Three hours may be dedicated to nourishment. Mm -hmm. One hour maybe to exercise. Three hours maybe to parental duties or relational duties. Mm -hmm. Like how many hours do you really have a, 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 a day to work? Eight to 12? And is working t- working, not dicking off, but working twelve <laughs> hours a day, every day, really sustainable? No. Right? So when you're only given a finite amount of time, if someone's gonna tell me no, I want them to tell me no within the first five minutes, not after I spent five days answering their questions, drafting proposals, and chasing them down. Right. That's actually a Sandler sales training tactic. Right? It's it's you wanna get you wanna hear no up front versus after you spent 11 or 12 hours or three or four weeks chasing down a client that wasn't your ideal client. Mm. So that would be my ideal client. Now I could get really granular, right? I could yeah. say my ideal client has a 700 credit score, not an 800 credit score. My ideal client is dual income and there's somewhere on the uh, spectrum of a high paying blue collar job union worker who makes their 78 to $96,000 a year, a TSA worker, and they're a veteran. Like that is truly my ideal client. That is a person who is going to be an easy loan to qualify. They're going to have questions. I can be the educator and the answer of their questions. They're going to be buying at a high enough loan size that, that the time I put into their loan application worth it. is going to be worth it. And, they're not going to be abusive because they're going to be appreciative of the service I provide abusive may very well be the person with the 830 credit score whose loan is super easy to do, who doesn't respect me, my team, our knowledge or our experience. And they just want to commoditize my, what I do for a living, Hmm. right? Like if I wanted to get super granular, I could literally state what I just stated about the 700 credit score, it's they make one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year household income. Mm-hmm. It's dual income. Do you think military doing a VA home right.
1: A lot of the top loan officers. Do you think they have like defined targets for like who they want their ideal client to be? Like top loan officers. Do you think they all have like? No,
0: this? I I think the stuff that we're talking about and the reason why we're talking about it is because it goes missed. Mm-hmm. I think it goes missed by by most businesses. I think this stemmed from my buddy Steve Richmond and I having a conversation. Mm-hmm about him going out independent and being now intentional about his actions, but also trying to figure out who is his ideal client, right? Right? Women's council of realtor in little rock, Arkansas wants him to come speak. Well, cool. If they're going to pay him his $5,000 speaking fee and they're going to pay for his flight in his hotel, that's five grand. Mm -hmm. But eventually when he has three people trying to reach out to him and he can only do two travel, um, events a week, Based on his other Mm -hmm. family obligations, he has to ask himself, well, is the Women's Council of Realtors in Little Rock, Arkansas my ideal client? If so, why? If not, why? And then he needs to be selective. And eventually the problem that he hopes he has as a speaker uh, on the national platform is when he has three and all three of them, three asking and all three of them Mm -hmm. are are ideal ideal clients. And then his speaking fee goes from, from five grand to eight grand, from eight grand to 12 grand right? Eventually, as you become higher in demand, then you can do that. So um, my ideal client isn't necessarily somebody who has a $300,000 or $400,000 loan amount. I'm fine with doing a $150,000 loan amount. I'm fine doing a six fifty loan amount. What I really care most about is how are you referred into me? Are you using me because I am an expert who believes there's not such a thing as a one-size-fits-all mortgage? And are you going to play by my rules? You say like how to get like, it's
1: important. How, how are you referred? What are some tips, tricks and tactics that you tell your realtor partners,
0: business partners that, to, you know, to educate them, to make sure they do refer you properly? The most success I have had with having that conversation with a referral source mm-hmm. is I start by asking them, Hey John, how do you like to be referred? And I pause, it's an uncomfortable pause. It feels like it's about a minute. It's probably only like five seconds, but mm-hmm. I'll pause let there be silence and I can see the wheels in their head spinning. And before they say anything, I'll start giving them some potential answers. Like for example, John, let's say you're a realtor in this, Mm -hmm. in this scenario. Do you like being referred as the expert of downtown Orlando? Do you like being referred as the condo expert? Are you the, the second home beach expert? Do you like to be referred as a top producer? Like, what is it when I refer you? that you like to be referred, how should I do this?" And then I you, then I, I kind of get your mind going in that direction, you give me some answers. Mm-hmm. Then I'd be like, hey, when I refer you, do I need to refer you and two other people or should I just give your name? And then at that point, you're gonna look at me like I have three heads. And we're like, uh, just give my name. I'm like, awesome. I said, I was hoping you would say that because that's exactly how I like to be referred. Like my hope John is that when you and I start working together that you understand that I'm a trusted professional who's accountable to you and your clients. Your clients can go to their bank, their credit union, they can go online and find a mortgage lender. So when they're asking you for a lender, they don't need all of these options. They need to know who do you trust and who are you accountable to me too, and that should be me. Now you may have two or three other lenders, I'm cool with that. But when you refer, I like to be referred as, this is who I would call for this transaction. Again, if they wanna call the online lender or go to their bank, then they can go there to get other options. But that's how I like to be referred, mm-hmm. right? It's just, I'm laying the groundwork. Mm-hmm. And if at all possible, let them know that when they call me, I'm going to spend time educating them. And I'm gonna make sure that I give them options because John, I believe there's no such thing as a one size fits all mortgage. I believe mortgages must be tailor-made to match every buyer's financial wants, needs, and goals. That so that's. But mm-hmm. I would start it right. with asking them how they like to be referred, and then I would back it back into it. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's smart.
0: Yep. It's no different than if I say, hey, John, how was your weekend? You answer, I'm hoping like hell you ask me about my weekend, All right? Because right? I want to talk about the Iron Man. All right. Makes sense. S-s- same exact thing applies. So now let's flip the script. You're, we talked briefly about Gwen, and that was just kind of an offshoot popped in my head. Mm-hmm. What was the motivation of today's episode, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it was a conversation I had with Gwen a couple of weeks ago when we were out in Vegas together at Mortgage Mastermind, and a conversation I had with Steve Richmond on Friday when I, was dri- when I was driving up to Wilmington, <laughs> and he and I were just catching up and shooting the shit. But I mentioned that Mike Smalley taught his two branch managers. So if you're a branch manager of any industry, I'm going to use my industry because what I know the best, Mm -hmm. the loan origination industry, and I'm hiring a loan officer. I have to sit down and say, who's my ideal LO? And by the way, my ideal LO is different than my buddy Carrick's ideal LO up in Oklahoma City, or Travis's ideal LO in Dallas-Fort Worth, because Travis has one skill set and one strength and Carrick has one skill set and one strength. And I have a skill set and a strength. Mm. I may do great with rookie loan originators. That may be my thing where Travis is like, dude, I do not have time for that. Don't have the bandwidth. Don't have the time. Don't have the resources. I can't go there. So when we work with branch managers, we sit down with them and we, we ask them, write it out. What does this person look like? What does this person sound like? What does this person have a background in? And there are some where it's like, my ideal loan officer is in growth mode. Okay, what does that mean in growth mode? Well, they already have experience. They already know my LOS. They already know my pricing engine. Mm -hmm. They're coming to work with me because they want me to invest in them in terms of growing their business. So that person is saying, look, if you don't know Encompass, if you don't know Optimal Blue, I'm not here to teach and, you that. And you're and you're not already closing three or four loans a month, I'm not a good fit for you, because I can't stop what I'm doing to teach you Encompass. I can't stop what I'm doing to teach you Optimal Blue, and I'm not going to teach you DTI, LTV, the diff, the difference between DU, LPA, Fannie, Freddie, FHA, VA. Like you got to know that. Now I'm willing to help you when you have that really tough file and trying to figure out why you're getting a refer and how can we flip it to an approve? Yes. I am another surgeon who likes to talk to doctors (laughs) about surgical doctor things, but I am not the type of surgeon who wants to go hang out with a bunch of med students Mm -hmm. to, to kind of give, give an analogy. Whereas like that would be that one, one particular, I, I may say my ideal loan officer has come to me with no experience because Richard's going to teach them encompass. Richard's gonna teach them optimal blue. Zenix is gonna teach them uh, DTI LTV credit report. And I love grooming someone from the ground floor up. I have the systems, the processes, the people, and the fortitude to do this. That's step one, but who else am I looking for? Well, I need someone who has extremely high aptitude. Well, what does that mean? It means that their intelligence is above average. How do I find someone with above average intelligence? I have to have a pretest that they take, a hiring test. Okay, I also look for somebody who has a chip on their shoulder, right? This is my ideal loan officer if I'm someone who hires rookies. Well, what does that mean? I wanna find something that currently bothers them to an extent that they're willing to run through a brick wall Hmm. to prove a point. I want to find someone who has a chip on their shoulder. They're money motivated, right? Someone has counted them out multiple times in their life. And every time they come out with a medal and a smile because they proved yet another person wrong. Mm. Like that's what I'm looking for. Usually that person has found success at a high level elsewhere, right? It could have been, I was the team captain on my D one sports team. There you go. Yeah. Like it could be that it could be, I was the number one salesperson in my organization. And now next question out of how many people out of 19. Okay. You want awards for that? Yep. I want awards. Can I, can I see those awards? Mm-hmm. Like show me those awards. So those are things that when I'm sitting down and hiring loan officers or any associate, who is your ideal, right? Cause Gwen's story, and I didn't tell it because it's her story. I would love to have her on this right. podcast mm-hmm. so we could do a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Right, the one is I want to interview her just on her, her story of how she got into the mortgage industry and became the top producer. But then we could even do a geek out story yeah. when it comes to team building, and what she has learned through, growing really, mm-hmm. uh, and what she does differently today versus what she did three years ago. So I'm gonna leave that to her. But you know, Gwen was less about her ideal client, her ideal loan officer. Herds was more of her ideal support staff, her ideal Mm -hmm. loan partner LOA. Mm -hmm. Hiring managers, we need to know who is our ideal. Who's going to come work for me, right? I'm going to give my last example on this, and maybe we can find a way to wrap up this episode. Your ideal candidate may be, look, they're coming to work for me because I'm tied in with a great company, and they just want to have access to the same resources I have. Meaning, I'm raising my hand and I'm stating, the ideal person is gonna come work more for the company that I'm affiliated with than they are me. What they get out of working with me as a colleague. Mm. Right? Maybe, maybe this person is tired of working by themselves. So at the end of the day, they wanna know is the company that I'm affiliated with going to support them as well as or better than where they are. Mm. And am I gonna be able to synergize with another human being because iron mm. sharpens iron and where I'm currently working? does not give me that opportunity because they have me working maybe out of my basement, maybe out of my house, mm. maybe out of my my kitchen mm. at which point I'm not getting other uh uh additional human interaction. Mm. But the purpose of today's episode was to start the thought process of is who is your ideal? Who is your ideal client? Who is your ideal associate? Who is your who is your ideal manager? Ooh. Mm. Think about that. Salesmen, saleswomen, who is your ideal manager? Before you go out looking for a new career or looking for a new career opportunity, can you label who your ideal manager is or who your ideal employer is? We talk to home buyers, actually realtors do, about what is your ideal home, right? right? You have needs and then you also have wish. Hey, it must have this. It must have a two-car garage, but my my wish is a three-car garage. Mm -hmm. It must have a backyard large enough that I can fence it in and let my kids and dogs play. A wish would be it also had a pool, yeah. right? Like you do like, uh, the same thing you would do when buying a house, that same pros, cons, mm. must have versus want to have. You do that same exact thing with your client, with your, with your teammates, with your employer, mm. with your manager. And then you live by it which is, I think, where most people will fail. It's all well and good to do the exercise. It's all well and good to write it out. And look, if you wrote it out. Step number one. It's step number one. Yeah, now you've you've put those thoughts on paper and maybe you posted it somewhere that you can see it as a reminder. But now you have to live by it. Got to be intentional with it. You have to be intentional by it. Yes. Yes, to use the Iron Man analogy, the first thing I had to do, I signed up six months ago and paid my $300. That was step one. Okay. Now I had a date that I had to work towards. So then I did some more research and it said that based on the condition, my physical condition, I would only need to train for 12 weeks. So then I dropped another pin on the map that was 12 weeks out from the race. And then I knew I had to start my training as long as I stay in good shape my training by this date. And then a week before that, I'd find a training program to follow mm. the first step in terms of controlling your business and, and figuring out who your ideal client is, is to write it down. Now, the hardest part is say no to people who aren't in that box. Mm. And when you say no, it's going to be the toughest thing and the most liberating thing at the same time. When you say no, please, know it's not to say no, and then do nothing. No, it's say no and take that time that you otherwise would have wasted and use it to go out and focus on finding more people who fit into your box. And I think that's the difference between people who are unintentional and people who are intentional. Intentional people put priorities into prospecting. Intentional people put priorities into running their business, not letting their business run them. Intentional people have the fortitude in the gut to say, no, although someone's dangling, Hey, I could do business with you. You could earn money off of me. No, you're not my ideal client. You should go find that goods or that service elsewhere. And instead of me dropping what I'm doing to spend two hours or 20 hours with that person, let me go spend 20 hours or two hours with activities. That are going to lead me to more people who are do, willing to do business the way that I do business. Right. Any questions to that, John? Was that pretty clear? I think so. Crystal clear? Yeah. You said clear. And you said, yep. I said, how clear? You said crystal. I did. I didn't say crystal. You want me on that wall, John. <laughs> you need me on that wall. That's no, the
1: same thing. It's how you pick your friends. It's like kind of how you select your friends. Do you want to hang out with people that put you down, annoy you, don't pay for shit all the time? Or do you want to hang out with people that think and act like you? It's very similar. Correct.
0: Yes, 100%. And if you want to continue spinning, spinning your wheels, you'll continue doing whatever activity it is over and over again, right. expecting a different result. Right. What we're saying is like, no, let's get intentional and let's start making positive changes for the better mm-hmm. and trust that any change doesn't happen overnight. So it is going to be a meticulous one step at a time, one foot in front of the other, keep on giving an effort, mm-hmm. look back, 90 days, 180 days, 270 days, and see how far you've come. Mm -hmm. Understand you're still not there yet because it is the journey. There never will be a destination. What you're trying to do is get 1% better per day. Well said. Hey, he's John Coleman. My name is Dustin Owen. If you like what we're doing, please share us, like us, follow us. Our website is theloanofficerpodcast.com. or TLOPOnline.com. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher Anywhere you can find audio podcasts Anywhere you can find audio podcasts That's all the time (laughs) we have for you today (laughs) We'll catch you on the next episode Peace